0: Welcome to Hellbent for Metal, a podcast that says to take what's more comfort there may be left, to seize what you love and damn all the rest. Panem Kikensi's credulous descent, a gather and charge into undarkenment. But we've all been to a club like that. <laughs> <laughs> you always, when I was a student, you always knew you were going to a bad club if you walked da- if you had to walk downstairs to get to it, and there was like reflective panelling on the sides of the staircase yeah. they, if, if yeah. it was kind of silvery you knew this place is going to be shit reliably <laughs> and that was like Soho so you can, you can fill in the
1: blanks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> actually the first uh, gay club I ever went to which I, th- I think is still a gay club but has completely changed what it is was genuinely what I imagined hell to look like <laughs> <laughs> what how bad was it? Well, <laughs> it depends what floor you're on, because it was one of those things where it started on the ground floor rather than going downstairs, but the, the further up you went, the more, like, clothes off it became, right? So top floor was, like, great, beep, beep, extremely buff guys with nobody here to speak of grinding in thongs, right? And then the ground floor was basically just... Uh, it was a lot of, like... Can I use this phrase? It's it's, what's them was referred to as fag hags and their like token gay best friend, right? It was a lot of that. And like, I I was still closeted at this point and was dragged along as like the straight friend. And was oh, very, much I was... more inter- much more interested in what I was seeing than I was willing to let on. But because I was really young, all everyone there was a lot older than me. Like I would have been nineteen. And I don't think there was anyone in the room much under thirty. Right? It was it was a adults, but it was no twinks. Basically, it, almost. Um, and so I was kind of looking around, going, yeah, but "These guys guys are all really old," which you know. It's not really what I wanted, but it was. It was so crowded and so like loud and expensive, <laughs> and and like it's the kind of place where if you are sitting so close to someone that your entire thighs are touching, you still can't hear them if they shout in your ear.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, it was
0: like a Motorhead gig, except it wasn't. It was a bar in Soho, and uh, that put me off gay clubs for quite a long time. And and it's it, to this day I still prefer the small the quieter bars. Anyway, that intro by the way was uh, in in darkenment by a non-Thrac, which uh, I I've kind of felt was appropriate because at the moment I feel quite a lot like Dave might have been right. Uh, this mm. is Hellbent for Metal, the LGBTQ plus heavy metal podcast in partnership with Notfest. I'm Tom. There, Godduck, Solidarität. Uh, And with me once more, I haven't scared him off yet, is the man who might share his name with our other bi-co-host from the Midlands, but as he hasn't turned his nose up at any of the cocktails I like, nor nor viscerally hated any of my HCGB picks, uh, I'm in no danger of getting the two muddled up. Uh, Hello, Matt Dawson. Hello. I think that's fair, right? You haven't hated any of the either drinks or uh, albums that I've put in front of you? Nope good stuff. Uh, Also back with me, I haven't scared him off either, is the gay guy who loves gnarly death metal and Moody Scan Navy music about, like, heartbreak. Uh, It's almost impossible to imagine why I thought you'd fit in round here, isn't it, Charlie Howard?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I can't imagine why you would have thought that.
0: It's really, really, like, random thought. There was no evidence to suggest that that we might have things to talk about. Um, uh, How are we both this week?
1: Well... Nafak was very appropriate because I've been listening to a bit of that over the weekend. I can't think why. In the first time in a long time,
0: so yes, yes. Sometimes you do just want to hear a very angry man from
1: Birmingham shriek about how everything's fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or just basically do primal scream for half a song and then go holy fuck. And as he screaming oh. more?
0: Uh, yeah, that song, the one with which sounds like a like massively drawn-out industrial version of Mayhem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, Drug Fucking Abomination, there we go. That's the one. Uh, well, moving on from uh, bands that sound like... Um uh we're going to begin this week with a side by side and a good fucking Satan. Did i need one of these this week uh, this is where we take a look at a moment someone in metal put their hands up for the lgbtq plus community in a way we think matters and this week is one that's still going on uh now before i say what it is i want two ground rules right and this is mostly for the audience not you two um first i don't want any arguments about whether this band or a metal band we sorted this out in HBFM 1, right? right? First fucking episode, the <laughs> dawn of HGBs. Before it was even called HGBs, we had settled this one. Uh, I don't care if they are or not. It's a Boring conversation that's been going on for a very long time. I'm just not engaging with it. Second, I'm not getting into any discussions about any other aspects of the history because every time you start talking about this band, someone wants an argument about something. And if that's you, I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just talking about this nice thing we did, thing they have done, and that's it, right? Okay, clear? If that, I'm talking to you, Twitter. Good? Right, let's move on. <laughs> Ollie Sykes and Matt Nichols, who many of you will know already, are the singer and drummer in Bring Me The Horizon, are doing a triathlon in August to raise money for Ukraine Pride, uh, which, as you can probably guess, is not a very subtle name, uh, is a charity that supports the LGBTQ plus movement in Ukraine, uh, a community which, let's not forget, is not just in the country that's currently literally under attack and is a war zone, uh, but in but they're also under threat of occupation and annexation by a regime that persecutes them in ways including outlawing, kidnap, torture and even murder in extreme cases, uh, and which I think everyone could agree could use any and all help available. Before we get into that though, I want to very briefly, the TLDR version, please, not an in-depth thing, because otherwise we will be here all fucking afternoon. Uh, let's go through the usual thing first. What do we think of Bring Me The Horizon?
2: I used to like them quite a lot. I mean, I think the time that I was a teenager was very big Bring Me The Horizon sort of time. Um, I wouldn't say I really listen to them anymore, but...
0: What do you think of the last album? The I'd... post-human survival horror, I think it was called. Don't think was... I
2: listened. I did not listen to it.
0: Okay, you should go away and listen to it because it is basically bastard-heavy pop. It's like someone has gone, <laughs> what if we fuse deathcore and pop music and it's fucking brilliant? Like, there's a song with baby metal, I do not like baby metal, and that song was basically my favourite song of that year. Except for the song by Unrequited. but that's, you know, cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you should listen to that. It's fucking great. Um, right. Sorry to spo- spoil us what I think, but I said that like two years ago. Um, Matt, what about you?
1: Firstly, I second the love of post-human survival horror. When it comes to Brim of the Horizon, I was a bit more of a... I say later era Brim of the Horizon. So when they started doing all the glitchy stuff and things, I got more into rather than the early stuff.
0: Rather than the kind of screamy difficult yeah yeah i don't really want to use that word because it it's come actually the first album is just like i liked out the gates too much Mm. there is such a thing as there is a difference between tribute and being derivative and i think i don't think anyone apart from a few people who were 12 at the time stick up for that album anymore um (laughs) obviously they've made some time making music that's not really in my ballpark because you know they've got interests that are slightly broader than my taste when it comes to modern stuff. Um, and obviously that debut, I'm sorry, this bad, the first EP really good. The, the debut, let's not talk about that. Uh, that said suicide season was really fun. I still listen to songs off that album and that, album I think was 15 years ago now. So, you know, if songs to stick with you for that long, Chelsea smile is still banger. Um, I loved there is a hell. I thought that was insane, and I really appreciated that. Some paternal I kind of likes, but I, that was where they kind of started to veer off to, not really be my thing so much. I didn't. I just didn't have an opinion, and I just went. I don't know what I'm listening to here. I'm too old for this. Um, literally, that was the problem, right? It was an absolute age thing. If you are 23 now, you probably thought that was great and good for you. If if I was not 23, I was a few years older, um, and just just kind of lacked the context uh, and obviously I said on episode one of this podcast that I think post is fucking unbelievable. It's not an EP, it's an album and it's brilliant and I, I if they do just continue doing that, I'm going to come back really hard and just like, start wearing neon clothing and, and stuff like that. I don't know I <laughs> it won't suit me but I might just have to do it. On to what Bump have done are doing what do we think? What are we, Where are we on this? I mean, obviously, in fact, we're doing side by side, I've kind of nailed my colours to the mask by the fact that we talk about them at all, but what do we think?
1: I like it. I mean, yes, it's, it's essentially, it is something that, especially after recent things, is definitely now needed more than ever for a band of that calibre to basically go, yes, we're going to support this and doing it. Okay, triathlon. It's a thing that's normally done for these things. But the fact that they're kind of combining two very important issues in one, in a sense, is very good.
0: A triathlon, I should say, for anyone who doesn't know what that actually is, that's a, a long cycle ride, a long swim, and then a long run. It looks like fucking hard work. I haven't done one, mm. but oh, I've looked at it. It got
2: so difficult. I also noticed that they had said they've never done anything like that before. Yeah. Just so yeah. a double whammy of like, this is a really cool thing to do and it is going to be so difficult.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about the difficulty <laughs> just for a second, because my idea of participation sport is, is shrieking at the radio when Michael Vaughan is being a, a reactionary, idiotic, contrarian <laughs> prick or, 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 or just shouting at the, at the telly when, when Austin Healy's talking absolutely, bollocks because he wants to wind someone up, everyone up, me up specifically. I don't know. I, th- I sometimes think he has a personal vendetta against me because he talks such utter bollocks. But that's my ma- my the, uh, degree of participation, right? I have never been any good at sport or wanted to do sport. Watch, yeah, part, take part in, great. Uh, take part in, not so much. I look at this and just go, I would die Halfway through the cycle ride, and I think quite a lot of people would not Mm. finish the swim, even if they're kind of moderately fit. That looks unbelievably difficult, and they've said, "Yeah, we'll do that." And I'm going, "Well, thank you. You're mad, but good, good for you." Please, I will, I will sponsor you. I'm not getting in the fucking race because I will die. But I mean, to be fair, I I can't ride a bike because I fall over. Like, even if I could, that would be really, like, beyond me. So, Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. Fair play to him, big time. Yeah. And is it
0: me, or is... It, it Does it mean a bit more if you say, yeah, I'm going to physically suffer for it?
2: I like, think that means more than yeah. just support, like... You're making a pretty big statement, I guess.
0: Yeah, because it's... You don't do this if you just kind of care a little bit. Hmm. if you live in Brighton and you go I'm sorry I'm not picky on, on Brighton Charlie if, if you pick, live in Brighton you just say I'm going to Bright to, to support my cause it's like to my friends it's like yeah okay that's great but you live in Brighton that's quite easy right that's not very difficult if you say I live in Brighton and I'm going to run run a marathon around the streets of Brighton to raise money for LGBT charities okay great That's that means an awful lot right that's incredible well done there's degrees of how like how much your participation in stuff like this shows real support. This looks like a big commitment to me.
2: Yeah, it's a massive commitment. I did. I I've done one race for a Trans Pride to raise money for them. Um, it was five k, and that was too much. I thought I was gonna die afterwards. It was also the hottest day of the year, which didn't help. But
0: yeah, that probably won't yeah. Help. It does also to me, mean a lot that they've chosen, like, one of the most vulnerable LGBTQ plus communities in, well, certainly in Europe, but, and there aren't too many more brutal regimes outside of going to, like, the most extreme, what's the word we're looking for? fundamentalist regimes, right? Mm. You have to go to absolute religious fundamentalist regimes before you get somewhere which is more brutal towards the LGBT community than Russia right now, I think. And Russia is trying to occupy Ukraine and you can imagine how that's going to change things for people like us if they succeed. Now, obviously, Ukraine is not quite as nice as the UK if you're queer, but it's still a lot better than Putin's Russia, I can't think of a better group within the LGBTQ plus community that you could realistically raise funds for. Because there isn't a charity like this in those fundamentalist regimes that I mean, right? There is th- You yeah. just can't raise funds for Iran pride because there isn't one.
1: And if you tried, bad shit would happen.
0: You pro- yeah, you'd probably be accused of spying or something like yeah. that.
1: Sorry to go all political. <laughs>
0: Fuck it, these things are political. Sometimes we have to talk about it.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: At the time we're recording, the last time I checked, they'd raised over a grand already. and I think I can't remember if that was both of them or just Ollie. But, you know, they haven't even done the race. The race isn't until August. So that's a pretty good start. Um, if you would like to support them, by the way, and I would... Yeah. I don't often encourage people to give money charity, but in this case, I, if you if you are able, this is, I think, a very good charity to support. Uh, Justgiving.com slash crowdfunding slash Ukraine Pride. Uh, or it's, the link is on Ollie's Twitter bio. We're also going to link to it. I'm going to try and put it in the audio description for the show. That might not work, so I can't promise. Uh, but there will certainly be links on all our social media, except Instagram, because Instagram doesn't work like that. We're agreeing, though, that this is like a meaningful one. Right. That's not just me who thinks that this is actually this isn't just kind of turning your putting a, a rainbow filter over your, your Facebook profile picture for Pride. It, it it means a lot more than that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Grand. Well, I think that's the nice thing Bring Me The Horizon are doing for the LGBTQ plus community explained. Thank you, Ollie and Matt. We do notice and it does make a difference. But after all that talk of vigorous exercise, does anyone else feel the need for some liquid refreshment? We cycle, swim, and run into the Hate Crew Gay Bar. How we're swimming on land? I don't know, but we will manage it somehow. Uh, Where we come every week to make sure that the jukebox of our heavy metal gay bar is updated with new music we are not about right now. And while the bar staff mix us some fruity and refreshing cocktails, let's go. I'm going turbo camp today, apparently. Uh, Let's crack on with the business at hand. Uh, And having put some filthy and thunderous death metal in last week, Charlie, I presume you've gone for something totally different this week.
2: No, (laughs) I have not. (laughs) Um, So we've got the Terminal Nation and Cruelty split, which is called the Ruination of Imperialism. Uh, So Terminal Nation, they're a death metal-y sort of hardcore influence band. And cruelty refer to themselves as a hardcore band with death metal and doom metal influences, which is pretty much the same thing. Yeah. So yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, D- D- Terminal Nation sound like bolt thrower, but with a, a slightly older stomp than the grind. So they sound more like like their stomp comes from the, from eighties hardcore rather than eighties grind. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And th- they're not ripoff band or anything. It's just. You don't have to listen too hard to think they like Bolt Thrower. Uh, I, I love them, obviously, as you can tell. I put their last album, Holocene Extinction, into GBs back in episode seven, which feels like a very long time ago. Hello, Jonan, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> cruelty but to me always sound like Hibaldva went on a the cathedral binge. I guess. Fair, yeah, yeah fair. fair. Hibaldva, by the way, are fucking awesome. If you don't know who they are. Um, we're not here to talk about them, uh, Matt. Before uh, I'm leaking what I think before I actually get to it, uh, Matt. What before I before Charlie goes further all in? Uh, what do
1: you think? Where are you on this split? Well, I love Terminal Nation already. Love them. Um, I knew a bit more about Cruelty before knowing of this split EP. Uh, shout out to eight five six basically. And Sonny from that because he's how I've seen them do live shows and they look fucking insane. I've heard of Japanese yeah.
0: hardcore. <laughs> yeah, I've heard of I've heard their shows are um, interesting, shall we say. Yes. Slash slash
1: terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> best sometimes that's the best kind of hardcore show. But um yeah. yeah, I absolutely love this. It's it's got that fuck you energy to get up and just go crazy chair mosh whatever yes
2: yes (laughs) loads of chair (laughs) moshy.
0: is that what you're what's getting you going about it charlie or is there something is it doing something else for you that's making you go fuck
2: yeah oh it just it goes so fucking hard for the entire runtime also like lyrically i think it's really good there's a line in embalmed crucifix which is a great song title to start with, Very but it's definitely. Like, the only way you get to see heaven is if we stack the bodies that fucking high is such a raw line. Like, yeah, great. I just think it's really fucking good.
0: Yeah, I, I fucking love these bands. I like. I I I liked Cruelty. I didn't like them as much as I did here. I think maybe I should go back and listen to them again and see if I've like underappreciated them. I liked them. Just I heard this and went, oh fuck yeah. Um, Terminal Nation are just one of the best death metal bands going right now. They are so exciting They're genuinely, when I listen to Terminal Nation, I get excited about death metal and just go, oh, I want more of this. And kind of, I'm I'm, like 14 year old me and overexcited and sitting in my chair again. And like, I'm like can I go out and watch shows like this month? No, you're 14, of course you can't. Not that I was into this when I was 14, but it's the same kind of energy. Um, It's just well fucking good, isn't it? Big riffs. Big riffs. Big chug. I said chug, chug. I didn't say what you think. I said put your mind out of the gutter. We're not doing that this week. Um, (laughs) Also, also what you thought I said is not really my area of expertise. But the, the... I, I use the bolt thrower reference. It's clear that's what the thing that they've taken from. Right. It's like yeah. we want death metal to have that thing where you can you can hear the stuff between the riffs where you, you can and you can really feel the kind of the tank tracks going over your face. It or in this case, the, you know, the riots going over your face as Imperialism is smashed to bits. It's really impactful. You can feel all of those punches as they go into you through that chug.
2: Yeah. I think the riots going over your face is a very good summary of what this sounds like.
0: In in the the best possible sense, right? Oh yeah. The only thing that I ha- problem I have with this is that I want more. Please, blo- both release m- new music <laughs> immediately. Don't get me wrong. This for a split, this is a brilliant length, but I just want more of both from both of them. I think they're fucking great bands, and and this is this is an advert for how to do shit like this well and to use your influence as well and still have loads of personality. You. I've got, I have nothing but really fucking positive things to say about how much I think this is
1: fucking great. It, it just shows how strong as well. Hardcore is like hardcore death metal crossover is as well this year. Yeah. Big time. Yeah.
0: And people using it really well and not just kind of, it's not like the generic death core thing. Mm. People aren't doing that so much. They've kind of said, "Well, we like death metal and we like hardcore, but that—that's kind of a, a thing in it in and of itself." That thing became very generic very quickly. Whereas these bands are using the death metal and the hardcore to express express their own personality rather than just do fucking beatdowns. Then, yeah. like, this is the fir- as far away from Immure as you could ever get. Oh in terms of God,
1: metal, that right. band! Oh God. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about them at some point. Not today, but at some point. I'm going to talk about him and I don't have nice things to say. Um, (laughs) Let's stay positive. Uh, The ruination of imperialism by Terminal Nation and cruelty has been entered into the jukebox. Matt, your pick this week is the second band we've spoken from on the show so far, who are from Sheffield. I don't think Bumth will think I'm being harsh on them, though, if I
1: say this lot are a trifle heavier. Do you? No, I don't think they'd be mad about it. Um, and I wouldn't say just a trifle heavier either, I'd say really fucking heavy. Because this is Goza's debut record in endless static. And, spoiler, this is probably going to make my end of year list very easily. That's how much I like this. Right. <laughs>
0: Well, that's what this place is here for—to talk about stuff that we like, not just kind of rag on stuff for the sake of it. No, 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 no. That's if 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 I if I wanted to do that, I'd still write for a living, and, uh, <laughs> and I would be I would uh, be trying to copy that Ailstorm review, just make it ruder and use the word cunt more. Um, every you mu- everyone must have seen the the Metal Hammer review of the, the new Airstorm record by now. Uh, anyway, we're not here to talk about those twats. Uh, what is it about this that's doing so much for
1: you, and what does it sound like? Essentially, it's... I don't want to say essentially Neurosis with hooks, because that sounds a bit too hacky, but... <laughs> it's, all, it's also the, the wrong band. <laughs> okay, who do, who do, okay, in that case, who do you think?
0: Do you remember that um, Neurosis thing that everyone used to write about, that bands that sounded like either Neurosis or Isis or both, that mm. kind of, towards the end of the noughties and the be- beginning of the 2010s was really cool in certain magazines right yeah and and it was it was referred to as the neurysis axis right and all of those bands sounded like cult of luna right. and this sounds exactly like cult of luna apart from some bits It's Voc- it's different style of vocals but there's a, there was so much cult of luna that i genuinely thought the first song might be a cover of ghost trail because it sounds like eternal kingdom era cult of luna yeah like it, it's not to, it's not to say it's like there's nothing of their own there. There is, but if we're saying who does it sound like the most, it's Cult of luna <laughs> As someone who's listened to way too much Cult of Luna for his own good, <laughs> that I think that I'd be willing to bet the owl from the Eternal Kingdom uh, artwork is tattooed on at least one of the members <laughs> of this band.
1: And it, it showcases the uh, Sheffield scene quite well too because there's uh, guest spots from members of Torpor and 100 Year Old Man in there on a couple of tracks. Uh, there is one track that is essentially, the I think, the vocalist from Torpor entirely. So, essentially you get a guest spot in the middle of an album, which is kind of unusual for an entire track to be taken up on a guest spot. But it worked, in this case.
0: And what is it it's doing for you when you say it works? What's it making you feel? What's it making you go, oh, I like this? We're, it might be a weird thing to say, but it makes me feel happy. <laughs>
1: Okay, that wasn't what I expected you to say. <laughs> but fair enough, because of because of how heavy it is, it's just like I needed an album like this to happen. Right on the UK post metal scene, I needed an album like this to happen this year. Gotcha, Charlie. What are you thinking of
0: Gozer?
2: Um, I am not going to say too much about it because I just didn't really like it. There. Um. <laughs> I just felt like there were quite a lot of songs where I wanted it to get to a point that it didn't get to. Felt like nothing was happening for some of these songs.
0: I kind of felt the same. I don't want to rag on them, but (laughs) one, I really did feel there is a lot of Cult of Luna here. And I, I don't want to sound too negative because I kind of listen to this and I go, I think they're going to do something I love soon. They just, this isn't it. It doesn't build quite fast enough or pay off the patience it asked me of. So I don't mind being asked to kind of bear with a band on a three or four minute intro to a song, as long as there's something going on, and you're building to a point, but you reach a point where it's like, right, you've got to pay off now. And if the payoff isn't worth the wait, then I kind of feel, nah, I'm not really sure how much longer I can stick with this.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. They can play
0: and they can create an atmosphere. And I love the sound, because obviously I like Cult of Luna. It's a problem if you're making me think of them, but it's, I, I I do like it. I'm just not having the kind of emotional reaction to the stuff that happens after I notice, oh, the atmosphere is nice, I like the sound, and I'm, yeah, this is vibing of stuff, I like. it. it there's not kind of that visceral connection which I kind of need them to, to to form for me. They get my attention, but they can't hold it. I don't want to stick my boot in too hard because I think they could do something amazing next. I really do. And I definitely didn't hate it or anything. I'm not going to, they're not, they're, you're not getting a rant. I listened to this lot before you said you were bring this in. And I listened to it a lot because I thought this is going to click. I'm going to love this any minute. And it just never quite slotted into place. Hmm. And I think, I think it, I think Charlie hit on his right is that it's, it's the, it's absolutely that the payoff needs to happen either sooner or bigger, I thought.
1: That's fair. Sorry. No, it's absolutely... I feel like I've just, like... (laughs) I feel like I've kicked your dog. (laughs) No, I can understand uh, the thing with the payoff. I can... Because they had that... Of course, there's a, a single that isn't on the EP. There's about three minutes long uh crowny e- Crown I think it's called, and if that's what you're looking for from Gozer and you, and they want to go more in that direction, I can totally understand that. I think I'm fine with it being really long, yeah, it's just I want them to like the i use
0: the cult of lunar example is great, right because if you listen to echoes for the opening song on salvation, which admittedly is a bit more kind of is a bit more effective than this, but there is a long intro to that song right there's this kind of little electronicy bit which is just kind of dawdling around and it goes on for minutes and then it go- it kind of builds and there's this kind of proper intro and then it's kind of you're waiting for it to kind of kick in and then when it kicks in it's fucking raging it's incredibly heavy riffs it's really sh- kind of angry vocals because it was the old singer who was really pissed off when he recorded it by the sounds of it. Like the, it, that long intro is totally paid off. Yeah. But it's, if the longer you wait, f- if you're going to kind of f- create the sense that you're building something, when you get there, it's got to be big or you can just float around. Hmm. You can do like I don't mind if people just float around and be kind of wondery and con- contemplative. That's cool. I just kind of, I didn't feel that it quite did either.
1: I mean, and Ra comes to mind as well when you're talking about building up with intros and payoff. Yeah. There's a band who know how to yeah. say,
0: right, now we're going to, we've given you the kind of con- the thought. Now here's the th- catharsis. <laughs> now we're going to rend your soul to pieces and put it back together again. <laughs> here's where we grab your throat and go,
1: listen to this.
0: If it's if it's if the throat is the uh, the softest place to grab, you're doing well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I I seriously think there is something really good there, yeah. and I think they could they could do something really cool. I just I it wasn't quite it. Sorry, sorry, Gozer. I will totally I'll totally check out what they do next though, because mm. I'm I'm really serious that the the kind of the building blocks are there if they just kind of yeah tweak a couple of bits. Anyway, An Endless Static by Goza has been entered into the jukebox. Speaking of Cult of Luna, and a drool warning needs to be inserted at this point, my pick <laughs> this week is the most predictable thing in the history of Hellbent for Metal, because I've been dicking off about this since April. I know we say we don't talk about stuff that wasn't released. This was uh, I was talking about it being performed live, because I heard it at Roadburn, which was where it was It was debuted there and that it was composed for Roadburn. It is, of course, the self-titled debut release from Final Light, which is the collaboration between James Kent or, he's French, so I always think, is that pronounced jean Cal? I, I, um, I don't know. He's better known as Perturbator, let's just call the whole thing off. Um, and Johannes Person, who's better known as the gorgeous one with amazing shoulders from Cult of Luna. Um, and sorry for being the stereotypical gay and going straight for the looks, uh, And I'd, but hey, gay male sexuality in metal is still a taboo things, and uh, I'd like to remind you all that we do find your big strong arms absolutely (laughs) tent-pitching. Now we've dealt with the sex. Let's get to the music, which is the title of my sex tape. Uh, the collaboration is predictably a cross between the electronic synth wavy stuff that Perturbator does, and the more well, the more soundscapey, y stuff than the kind of more kind of dancing, pulsing sort of thing he was doing when he did the Uncanny Valley, uh, and, and that anyway mixed with uh, the driving pol- post metal thing that Johannes does in Cult of Luna. Obviously, both musicians usually make massively atmospheric music so it's unsurprising that this is atmospheric too but what really gets me in the nuts is the way it is so impassioned and kind of frantic and strained but also how well it veers between the bastard heavy stuff and the bits with the driving pace, but also the more kind of contemplative tension building stuff where you're kind of looking at wide open spaces and dark kind of night skies and things like that and going, ah, I'm very alone in the place of lots of people. Uh, and I think it's fucking wonderful. Who's going to be the first person to rain on my parade?
2: I'm not going to rain on your parade. Uh, not even a little bit. I started listening to this and I was like, Halfway through the first song And I was like this is fucking amazing uh, And like the way I kind of prep f- For talking about albums Is I write notes as I go And there are so many like all caps sentences That are just like why is this so good <laughs>
0: <laughs> That Sorry that was just me being happy Because <laughs> I, I fucking love this And I was really worried that, that you were going to hate it Just because it's like I don't know what—not for any particular reason, just because I I I I love it so much, and I I I I want people to love it too. Hmm. Um, Matt, are you, are you also loving it, or it's like get my puncture repair
1: kit out? <laughs> no, I'm not going to rain on the parade either. Um, I will admit, uh, hearing the news that Johannes was doing a collaboration with someone else again so soon after probably him being involved in one of my favorite albums for the last so many years in Mariner was like. Okay, this could be interesting. Let's see how it goes. Needless to say, I was not disappointed at all. But the big thing, the one thing I want to ask you, because you've heard this live, and you've heard it on record. Yeah. Is it more powerful in a live setting, do you think, than in a studio setting?
0: I mean, you got to remember that I saw this live at Roadburn in the O thirteen the day after the day I had just done yeah. the panel on celebrating being queer in heavy music, right? So, which was one of the greatest experiences of my life? I was an absolute high. I had made a new friend, and we were both going to go there and watch Johannes' amazing shoulders. And it, even if it was shit, we'd get a nice show. Um, <laughs> and it and it was fucking amazing. So, yeah. I and it's the O thirteen venue, right? Yeah. Which I've said before has one of the best PA's and some of the best acoustics I've ever heard anywhere in the world like it is astonishingly good that is in terms of an actual gig i cannot think of a better way i could have heard it right there is it's very unlikely i could have heard it in better circumstances so you have to take that into consideration from what i'm about to say but yes i think it is more atmospheric live that said having heard it on record, I think if I were to hear it live again, it would be better still. Although it is kind of, because there is a lot going on, right? It's not just the case that you can stand there and it's just all taken in in one go. So there was a lot of it which, when I saw it live, I did not yeah. take in. and when I, I, I've i only gleaned from the recording. There are some bits, though, where I was like, oh yes, I remember this. This was fucking incredible when that kicked in, right? So, yes, it is better live, but I think that's partially just because they're really, really, really good musicians. And that's all. Music like this is always going to be better live.
1: Yeah, because I think out of that whole synth wave metal crossover, Perturbate, it's definitely Perturbator and Carpenter Brute. They're like the kings of that scene at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Ghost is kind of there, but I think they need a little bit more work before they can get there.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that.
1: But, um,. I would, love to he- I would love to hear them collaborate again in the future, and I definitely want to see this live. I'm hoping there are a few UK-based performances happening at some point that isn't just like Beyond the Redshift or something.
0: I have a horrible suspicion it would just end up being at Beyond the Redshift, and mm. that would be it. Because, like, Coal of Luna's touring is limited. They do tour, yeah. but it's not... They're not like... I'm trying to think of a good example. It's not like Napalm Death, who are just always on the road, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I have seen Napalm Death ridiculous numbers of times, and that's not just because they're a UK band, it's just because they are always on the road. They work really hard. Cult of Luna, because they're Swedish, and if you don't have, you can, like, apply for funding if you're a musician in Sweden. They believe in supporting the arts at a state level, so, you know, they actually have a, a very, very prolific music scene. And everyone looks at so and says, Why are there so many bands for Sweden? It's because you go to Sweden, you ask people, and they say, Well, we get free music. Uh, Teaching when we're like from age of eleven upwards, and we get grants if we're in a, a band. Okay, that will do it. Um, like they don't tour so much, so I'm I I hate to say it, but I'm worried that I might not see it unless I go to London, mm. which for me is a bloody long way.
1: Hmm.
0: London. So um, <laughs> yeah. And in the for and it was I think it's going to be in the forum as well, which is uh, one of the worst acoustics in the world. Right, the Albert Hall is famously got shit acoustics, and I'd still rather see a gig in the Albert Hall than in the forum. Um, anyway, I veered badly, of course. Um, Charlie, when when you're writing in your notes, this why is this so good? What is it you're kind of wanting to do? What's it make you feel?
2: I really, I, I was trying to listen to this and work, and then I didn't do any work. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I just gave panic. this my full attention, basically. <laughs> um, really, no, no one from work would listen to this, so it's fine. Um, yeah, I uh, yeah, just wanted to completely like sink into it and forget about anything that wasn't listening to it. Yeah.
0: No, I, re- I remember watching it and thinking... Watching it live and thinking, I need the loo. I want a drink. And just being glued to my position, going, I'm not fucking going anywhere. I'm watching this. I'm staying here until the end. I can do all that when they go off stage. Yeah. I can. If I have to tie a knot in something, so be it. Yeah. You know, it. It was that kind of. I, I'm not missing a second of this. It's so immersive, and it is like you really get drawn into this thing, and it really does surround you like this kind of, like neon gothy city like uh cyberpunk
1: esque yeah.
0: yeah yeah or gotha or some kind of vision of gotham which uses a bit more neon lighting kind of that really kind of nightmarish uh, like bright lights but really cold light vision of the future kind of thing and there's there's that in the last song ruin to decay has this gear shift in the middle which i won't spoil for you but it basically then starts sounding like pet shop boys crossed with the the bit from through silver and blood by neurosis where it kind of it all kind of kicks off and i i was just when that kicked in both live and it, every time i've recorded i've just gone oh my fucking shit cakes the the absolute kind of driving intensity and the kind of all that tension you've built up over the course of the whole rest of the album just venting it in the last few minutes and you're just going yeah, it's just magnificent. It's uh, it's just. I love this so much. I really do. <laughs> I know. And like, I, Johannes. I know. I joked about Johannes' wonderful arms, but he is a phenomenal musician. He's an absolute brilliant, brilliant, creative force, and we are very lucky to have him in our scene making music. And I would say, I would hope people take perturbator as seriously because I think he is even though I wasn't that keen on his new album I think he's a really really creative guy and he's got a really valuable contribution sorry I just went off on one here because I know some people have been a bit um, not everyone has been as positive let's say Hmm. the self titled debut from Final Light has been entered into the jukebox and while we will have more new music for the jukebox next week for now that is time at the hate cricket bar We finish, as you all know we are already, on a camp classic. This is where we take a work of metal that spoke to us as queers and explain why. And this week we're talking about Liberation by Catatonia from their 2009 album, Night is the New Day. Obviously this is Charlie's pick because we're about to hear exactly what he thinks about Catatonia. Uh, but before we let him go off on one and talk for a very, 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 very long time. Uh, Matt, what do you think of Catatonia?
1: I enjoy... I'm not... Uh... Big fan as Charlie is, but I am enough of a fan to say I do like Catatonia quite a bit.
0: But that's like saying that you know you don't you don't like someone quite as much as their literal husband <laughs> does, right? Like there are plenty of people who 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 are who I am a huge fan of and think are wonderful people and I consider a valued friend. Yeah, but
1: I'm not actually married to them. Right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's kind of the comparison that we're talking about here, right?
1: Yeah, because uh, I'm one of those people that also like the very early albums where the vocals are much harsher right? than they are on Great Cold Distance, etc.,
0: Right, because I I adore them. Yeah. But uh, if I'm completely honest, it's really from Last Fair Deal gone down onwards, and especially from The Great Girl Distance onwards. Now, I, I'm i one of those twats who, I like the new stuff. I'm the anti-hipster when it comes to Katsunia. But <laughs> the, 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 the more modern they get, yeah. the more I kind of find myself buying into what they're doing and just believing in them. And I, I love what they're doing now. The last th- five albums, I think, I've just adored. um. Uh, I love how they've evolved, I love Jonas's voice, and I love how rich uh, their melodies feel. I just love them. And that was the, like, 7 out of 10 uh, <laughs> enthusiasm compared to what we're about to get.
2: Charlie, what do you think of Catatonia? I'm gonna try to not be in... over the top about it, but they are my favourite band ever. <laughs> um, they're just the best fucking band i love them i love everything they've done but i do agree with tom they just keep getting better an example of how much i love them like i started listening to them and they hadn't done shows in a while and then i was really ill one day and they announced that they were going to be doing a tour and i was genuinely convinced that it was just like a fever dream hallucination until the like several days later when i realized it was true
0: And bought all the tickets. i just like, well, I just want this to be a private show now. <laughs> You've sold out this venue to one person.
2: It's me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no one um, else is allowed to come. Even even no matter how close to it in my life, this is my show. <laughs> I'm joking, Jonas, you don't need to put out a restraining order Yeah,
2: please don't. <laughs>
0: What is it about them that makes you think they're so magnificently wonderful? Because my favourite band ever is, like, that's a bold statement for When anyone makes that, they, they are talking about deep love.
2: Yeah, um... There's a lot of things to love about them. I do just love his voice so much. Like, I don't think there is a vocalist out there who really comes close for how much I like them. Um...
0: He emotes so much more than yeah. everyone else, doesn't he?
2: Yeah. They're just, yeah, their band that provokes also just like a lot of emotional reactions, I think. For me, anyway. Yeah. I think, I think you'd have to have quite a
0: cold heart not to have some kind of emotional reaction. to. Like, even if it's like, I hate this. I can't imagine anyone going like, yeah, this is kind of beige out of 10. It's of fuck off. It's like, if you hate it, fart, like, Oh, geez, one band I understand more if people said they hated it rather than they just thought, yeah, it's fine. Um, on to why it's a camp classic, though. Matt, what, if anything, did you get from this that spoke to your queer side?
1: I will admit this one's probably the trickiest one out of the ones we've done. A little bit. Probably because I'm probably... Maybe if it's a connection to Cat Tony or what, I don't know. But... To me, it's like there is something about a journey there. Now, for me, my journey is obviously recently coming out and all that that comes with it. Not quite as downbeat, I guess, as some of this is journey-wise, but there's something of a journey there, really. I think a
0: lot of people's journeys will have downbeats, right? Like they because of the society we live in, there are, you'd have to be quite lucky to have had no kind of internal struggles mm. at all and no kind of no dark moments along the way. Yeah. So I think I don't think you have to have had a particularly horrific journey out of the closet to start identifying with dark journeys. Mm. I would
1: say. Yeah, but other than that, that's about it really. When it came to this song for me, there was a the liberation okay. bit there as well, obviously, but that's a bit that feels too obvious. If you know what I mean. Okay
0: there isn't there is i think i have a suspicion that i know where charlie's going with it so Mm. i'm going to swerve around the thing that i think is that he's going for and just let you do that and uh, uh, i think there is a specifically gay cis man thing in the chorus uh there is there are other interpretations of the chorus that i'm going to avoid uh but There is the thing where he says that I've changed my name, but I'll pass it on to you, which is admittedly quite a a small chunk of the of the song. But that made me think about the way in which gay cis men are are most likely to change their surnames if they marry a man because or or and they combine their names somehow, because that's there isn't like a traditional thing to do if, if two men marry. It's not like, well, I'm going to take my partner's name. Where you just end up swapping, that would seem a bit odd. Um, that, that doesn't really. That doesn't that's really. Quite funny. Good. Yeah, if I, if, if you were to, you know, if, if uh, uh, John Smith and and Jack Doe marry, then suddenly they just become, you know, Jack Smith and John Doe. It's just, it that's, that hasn't really indicated that they're they're linked in anyway um Some people double barrel it. um Some I know that's creating problems because obviously if two double barrel people marry and have kids, that the, mm. their kids are going to be you know, you know Smith, Doe, Patel, blogs. I am running out of f- surnames now. Um, some people have started creating a portmanteau name, which I think is quite interesting. If you've got a one syllable name, you're a bit fucked. But that, I, th- I thought that was quite an interesting idea. Uh, but cis men have not traditionally changed their names when they marry. And I know cis some straight cis men have started doing this too because they also think that you know women taking man's name when they marry is kind of patriarchal and shit and they don't like it. Uh, but there simply isn't a traditional way for gay cis men. So I, that was what I took. I think I know where Charlie's going, and I've 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 t- t- tried to avoid it. So would you like to to enlighten us and to, I could be wrong we could go back to the thing if i'm if i'm I'm wrong but I think I know where you're going
2: yeah so I'm gonna say I see this in a very trans light which yeah um as a side note I could have picked quite a few different songs off of this album for that specific feeling but um yeah so it I kind of view it as like talking to your younger self you know saying like reconciling with your younger like pre-transition self a bit um obviously the name changing line is a a big one um so i i saw Catonia do this album in full in 2019 um and after that show i had the i changed my name but i will pass it on to you line rattling around in my head for so long that it made me actually fill out my deed poll and change my fucking name so so that really was a moment yeah so it's like very personal uh, on that connection and then like there's another line they're like i've had this stain for a long time is really how you Kind of feel like oh, there's always been something wrong, and you'll go in. You know, you get older and you realise why you feel different to everyone else, and then you look back at this massive line, like this huge amount of signs that you probably should have seen at an earlier point in your life.
0: Mm. Yeah. I don't think that's a specifically trans thing. I think i no. I think there are quite a lot of, you know, particularly speaking as a gay man who came out later in life. I'm not that old, but you know, I wasn't nineteen or anything. Um, I think there are quite a few of us who go, "Oh, we really should have noticed uh, in myself earlier that." You know, but basically, apart from the the very personal thing, the I didn't predict that one. That was almost exactly what I thought. The um. The kind of the viewing your past self and saying, I'm going to, I've changed my name, but I'm going to give you that when you get here yeah. kind of thing yeah. was Same. was very much a metaphor that I was, I saw. I, th- I think it's a, a quite, a, that's an amazingly powerful thing that that did for you. So was that, was it, how long was it rattling around before you realized that that was something you were thinking, I need to do that now, I need to take that step?
2: So, I mean, I think I'd spent most of 2019 going, I should really change my name. Um, I've been going by this name for a long time, but I hate doing paperwork. Because <laughs> it's not just the one piece of paperwork, it's then doing that like 17 times and going to like every yeah bank and all of the utilities and those boring stuff. But yeah, it took me a couple months, but I really got super attached to this song <laughs> in that time.
0: Yeah, I imagine that it's going to be one that sticks with you for a while for some reason. Can't think why. Um, it, the song's obviously called Liberation. Was it that quite a liberating experience? Apart yeah. from the, the, not the boring paperwork stuff, but just no, kind no. the kind the, of, oh, no one's liberated by that. Um, that's that's literal I think there's literally a Kafka novel about being trapped by paperwork. Um, <laughs> but the, the actual kind of, this name is now mine it is no one can say, say what say what no one can say oh I've, I've heard that said and I it always makes me want to grab people and say oh fuck off when people say but what's your real name because yeah first time I ever heard that was um done to um Elton John and because obviously he used to be uh uh Reg Dwight um and then he changed his name legally to Reg Dwight and people said but what's your real name he said, Elton John I changed it legally ages ago get cash the fuck up you're not clever knowing I used to have another name but obviously when it's the someone who's trans it's profoundly more offensive um but obviously at that point you can go well my this is my real name This this is it's not just this is my legal name this is who I am was that quite a having that protection was that quite a liberating thing or am I gonna being the stupid cis guy and reading too much into it.
2: No, it is. I think that it's a... The name change is a big thing, I think, for a lot of trans people. And it is very liberating, especially when you'll find it, like, no one gets to argue with me about this. Because you're going to look at my ID and it's going to say the name that I want to be called.
0: Yeah. Do you think it's one that... I'm Given that I saw it, I think I know what the answer is. But do you think this is one that... Uh, and... The average trans listener is going to be saying, "Yes, I that was me too, too." Or is this is this too personal a thing? And I just happen to know <laughs> only well enough to see the same thing.
2: I think I think that I guess most trans people relate to it on a some level. I mean, after we, I went to that show with my partner, and he brought it up as well. He was like, "That sounded very trans." Yeah, like he, he's. He likes them, but he's not that big of a fan. I kind of just dragged him with me, but yeah. I've
0: done that. I, I, my my better half has definitely been to some shows that he 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 was very kind, and <laughs> quite, definitely did not enjoy. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get him to go to a festival where Napalm Death are playing. That should be interesting. Um, and <laughs> but I, I if you are trans, please tell us where, you know either via social media or through a Discord where. You stand on this because I. I wonder if this is actually something which a lot of people would uh, be will be screaming at the at their phone and going, "Yes, I totally hear that too." Because uh, I read that and went, "I've never thought of it that way before." But that's so obvious, I feel stupid for not having <laughs> <Yeah>. seen it, <laughs> given the hundreds of times I must have heard this song and not not realizing that's quite trans. Um. I suspect it's how quite a lot of people listen to this podcast and and go, yeah, that is really gay. How have I never noticed that before Of the dozens of songs that I've said? Yeah, that one's gay and that band are gay. And yeah, he's totally Um, (laughs) not in the kind of not I'm not not in a kind of outing people way, just in terms of how they present like um, like how we talked about how ghosts are totally gay. Yeah totally a gay band no absolutely no idea at all don't care about tobias but well no i do care about tobias but not like that um but i think everyone agrees yeah that band are totally gay brilliant love it kind of same with abba straight people gay band um enough about abba because otherwise i'm going to go off on one again um I think that is Liberation by Catatonia Explained. Uh, we will have another Camp Classic for you next week when Blood on Your Hands by Arch Enemy will be up for discussion. We'll also be hearing from someone else from the LGBTQ plus community who helps make metal happen. Uh, that'll be Connie Scarbosa from CU Space Cowboy. Uh, plus, we'll have music for HGBs in the shape of Red Sun, Atacama, Zetra and Conjurer, and f- more bands with one Word names, please. this is really nice uh, that, that though is all we have for h b f m eighty five Charlie and Matt. It has been well, it was quite fun at the start, and then it got all kind of deep, and meaningful at the end. I think <laughs> sorry uh, with the moment we had catatonia to talk about, it was always going there right yeah. so you can't have you can't talk about light things with catatonia <laughs> that's defeat the point uh, if we want to talk about light things, i'll we'll just pick some camp power metal or something. In fact, I'm going to do that quite soon. Um, Until next week, then, uh, listen to Terminal Nation and Cruelty, listen to Gozer, listen to Final Light, and remember, remember, if we stand side by side, things will get better. Goodbye. Bye! He cut in the middle of that. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know what this dog's been eating behind my back. Bloody hell.